0: Hello, today's Squad Depth podcast intro is coming to you live from outside. It's a beautiful day, gorgeous, lovely, late September, it's getting very nice. So slightly different sound quality here, usually I'm tucked away. Today's episode is going to be with the brilliant Matt Dallinson of How to Touch. Brilliant, brilliant Scottish football mind covering the women's game, both the SWPL league and national team highly highly recommend subs- subscribing to the Substack. i have a lot a lot of fun reading it and follow them on all socials and check out matt's art as well it's a really cool conversation It starts off talking about how to touch and how matt got into football and his experience and then we go very deep on the swpl and the scottish national team ahead of england versus scotland on friday night in the uefa nations league it's an absolutely can't miss episode i really hope you enjoy this one is a little bit of analysis quite a deep dive for people who are into that but we also have a bit of fun as well so enjoy subscribe to the squad depth podcast rate and review we'd love to see some more reviews out there and check out the substack as well more than anything get outside and enjoy this lovely early autumn weather And we're back. I am blessed to be here with the brilliant mind and person that is Matt Dallinson of How's Your Touch. Good afternoon, Matt. How are we doing? I oh, am. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm blushing now. Blush, blush away, mate. I'm good. It's uh, stopped raining. The sun's come out, so feeling good.
0: Okay, Scotland. <laughs> Uh, feeling very good up there. What a September. Um, Matt, to loosen loosen everybody up, I'm gonna ask you to do a little kind of moment for yourself, if that's okay. If you'll indulge me. Um, I want you to just take five, ten seconds to close your eyes and think about football, what it means to you. And then I'll ask you to to stop and then you'll you'll tell me where you go when you kind of center yourself and think about football um can you can you do that for me yeah all right i was hoping you would ask yeah i don't know at this stage if people have listened to the podcast they know it's coming so here we go uh let's both we'll just take five ten seconds all right matt where are you
1: so i guess i can have two places um the first is way back at home. So when I was much younger, um, as I just told you off off recording, uh, growing up in a little hamlet with the one there, it was a a field which had a goal in it, no net, on a hill next to a river. Um, and I used to go down with my brother, and we would just you know kick balls at, at the open at the open goal. I would you know pretend I was taking free kicks. Um, I was, a, I was a right back and I was always weird this is the weirdest person to be a fan of I was always a really big fan of Steve Finnan so I'd always like okay. run down as if I was running down the wing and like crossing it then my brother's shorter than me so he was uh, like trying to hit you know the tiny person in the box Um, and then also like obviously more as an adult the sort of community side of things and you know more into women's football but there's people obviously on Twitter that I speak to and, you know, doing the hour that I do and um, just the general, like, good vibes of connecting with people and, um you know, the, the feeling that you get when, or like that I got when I was in the crowd at Amden and we scored against Austria and it's like that huge elation and there's so many people that you're feeling it with and it's just really special.
0: Love that. That's so cool that you can kind of even just feel that for a minute, like, the feeling goals are kind of interesting you know it always makes me think a bit about that passage this is we're going really off topic but let's do it i'm (laughs) enjoying this um call matt mccarthy in the road for those who are familiar very kind of depressing book um about a post-apocalyptic uh you know version of earth and the protagonist in that talks about memory as like every time you remember something you're kind of eroding that memory like the memory gets weaker it gets less like how you experienced it which is you know kind of a depressing way to look at memory but the way you described that you were kind of back at that goal you were feeling what you felt that connection with all those people in the stadium I kind of love that because that is also the power of memory the power of football the power of community is that you can kind of be somewhere even when you're not there and you can like get a almost take a little hit of that experience and that feeling and and be back there and that was really cool um so I really like you bringing that up community is Community is king, you know. I think, like you said, it can be in a stadium with thousands of people, or it can be sometimes on your keyboard at home when you know when no one else is around, but you feel all the all the all the branches out there into the rest of the world. So that's really cool. Mister, how's your touch, Matt? For those that don't know you, um, what is how's your touch, and why should people be following and reading and viewing your
1: uh, your cool work? So, um, how did you touch this? It, it was me and my friend Peter. Um, when we were in our final year of uni, um, we ill-advisedly, um, maybe we didn't expect dissertations to be as difficult as they are, which, you know, classic 21-year-old sort of thing to think. Um, we decided to try and write, initially, a season annual about Scottish football. Um, we didn't reach our funding goal. We didn't publish like we didn't publish anything. It's just sort of it just crashed and burned. I mean, realistically, it wouldn't have been very good if we if we had. Um, but we really enjoyed working together, covering football, specifically women's football. At that time, we were doing men's and women's, and we didn't feel super connected. It's probably around then that I stopped feeling really connected to men's football um as much and started to really build. Uh, build a lot more connection in women's football at the time there wasn't really anyone else doing it there was a couple of people Chris Marshall was one of them who still is around and um, covering the game really well so we've been doing that now for five years covering the SOPL the women's national team various cups whether you're you know someone that's never watched an SOPL game or whether you're someone that goes to every single game you know you're organizing the supporters bus I feel like we've got a level of coverage where there will be something for you. It's not all surface level. So there's little bits that go quite in depth for people that are engaged already. And then there are things where you're learning something new. So if you're a new fan, you know, you're going to learn something and you're going to have a chance to start to love these players. Cause I mean, me and Peter say all the time, this is the best league in the world like, you know, Everyone will shout at us and say otherwise, but this is you know drama per minute. Everything. This is the best league in the world. So you know that's that's why everyone should watch the SWPL. It's the best.
0: What a fantastic ad! Can't wait to tuck in <laughs> to a little bit more and crack on with the with the chat about the SWPL. But while we stick on you for a minute, Matt, um, I also want to talk about your art because I I'm a subscriber to How You Touch. I love it. love it, love it, love it, love it in my inbox. And I think you do a really good job of whether it's just editorial art, you know, storytelling or atmosphere to the piece, but you also do sort of visualizations, I guess, of stats, um, which are very clean and simple and kind of break down, you know, what this team, what this player is good at, and maybe you just give it a little quick visualization. So talk about what your football art, for lack of a better phrase, or graphic design, um, is in regards to how to touch and maybe outside how to touch as well because i think you you do other stuff
1: yeah so this is this goes way back so when i was in high school probably um i was going to say second year but i don't know would really understand the scottish education system so i was probably about 14 15 um i don't even know why i did it like i can't remember for the life of me why i downloaded photoshop but i just remember downloading photoshop and i would just make Edits of all these players, and you know where football Twitter was back then was actually quite a nice place. So I got Illustrator. I started doing a couple of illustrations and stuff, and then um that culminated in me working for Hibs um for their season ticket campaign. I've worked for Scotland and stuff as well. Um, I mean, mostly now it's just this, this is something that I do because I find it quite relaxing to sit and create something. Um, the same reason that I, I write as well, it's sort of linked, I think, in that sort of sense of the desire to just create something and to, like, see something in my head and then make it, like, put onto a page or whatever. I think I look at it from a different perspective than a lot of other publications would, um, because a lot of people obviously focus quite heavily on imagery, like, they'll take a photo, like a good photo, and they'll license it and use it, whereas because we don't have that resource we can't really just go out and license a photo um i try and look at it more from like an artistic perspective of like can i create something that is visually appealing so that even if someone doesn't click on it they still have something from what we've done you know you get a vague idea of what it's going to be about before you click on it so yeah
0: love it a bit abstract sort of abstraction of um of the football uh what other while we're on the topic of kind of graphics and football and creativity, what other kind of people do you enjoy in the space who are doing, sorry to put you on the spot, but like what are <laughs> the graphics uh, publications or individuals do you, do you notice um, online?
1: Um, well, it's sort of like more illustration wise, because um, I take a lot of my inspiration for graphics out of like from things that aren't sports related. So it's more like, you know, I'll go on Pinterest and I'll just um, like scroll around. Um, and have a look at, you know, a bunch of different things. Some, most of them aren't even, like, something that has been graphic designed or and It's just like, this is a photo of a bridge or something. And I just like the composition or whatever. But um, for illustration-wise, Shannon Marriott is brilliant. Um, I love Shannon Marriott's art. Uh, it's so simple and it's just like, I don't know, it just has a really good, like, sense. Like, you get a really good feeling from it. Like, when you see it, you sort of understand the, the vibe of, like, a player and such. Um, another another Scottish person is I don't know their name J M Sill Art. Um, it's a lot more sort of caricaturey, and there's a lot of like grungy textures and stuff going on. It's you know almost the exact opposite of how I uh, illustrate. But again, I think it's just really cool to to see. And um, everyone's obviously got their own their own style and stuff like that. I think it's really interesting how people develop it over time. But that's that's maybe for a, if an art podcast wants to get me on and <laughs> I'm sure everyone's like get to the football
0: <laughs> no no no, this is great I, I'm trying to push the art angle because I think it's really fascinating and, and maybe one day there'll be you know a great end to the SWPL season we can all fly up or drive up or take the bus up to Scotland and we can put on an exhibition in Glasgow or something or some of our favorite footy artists I know there's a lot of great creators out there'd be great to kind of get everyone in the community together and or go see a Scotland game or something like that so just manifesting. Um, some really good community stuff if it ever comes true let's pivot to the football before before we do matt how can people find you how's your touch at how's your um, touch
1: yeah so i'm at the matt rd on twitter and instagram how's your touch is how's your touch underscore on twitter and instagram and just how's your touch on Substack, um which is where all our long form stuff is at the moment we're uh obviously not sure what we're going to do if and when twitter decides to self combust but um, for now, that's that's where we are, and um, all are as they all are. Sort of longer things are on Substack. Um,
0: right, we're all we're all waiting, holding our breath on uh, on Twitter. <laughs> Moving to the SWPL, you called it the best league in the world. I absolutely love that. Twelve teams in the in in the, in the top division, the Premier the Premier League or SPL, One, I suppose, is the official name. Um, why is it the best league in the world, Matt?
1: Just, like, I don't think any other league captures the drama that the SOPL does. And, yes, there's the same criticisms that you have of, obviously, the WSL and things where, you know, the teams at the top don't typically drop points um, apart from against each other. But, like, I don't get the same feeling watching you know, the, the WSL go for, like, uh, I don't know, who's in the WSL at this point. Um But like a Liverpool Spurs game in WSL, just doesn't give you the same feeling as like if Partick Thistle are playing Spartans. We're vastly underrated technically and overrated physically, so everyone goes in thinking it's going to be a bit like kick fest. But so many of our teams play a lot of sort of Jurgen Klopp two thousand and fifteen football, where it's like it's very high effort, like work rate. We're not necessarily going to be creating all these fancy passing triangles and throwing in some inverted fillbacks and stuff, but because both teams are just really going at it, it just creates this beautiful chaos on the pitch. And there's some really, really incredible players. I mean, like we're talking about a league that Kim Little came from, Rachel Corsey, Julie Fleeting, Caroline Weir, Erin Cuthbert. Like the best players on the planet, you know, came through the SOPL. It's not like When you look at some of the leagues, and there aren't many players that actually come through the league, they sort of leave when they're 18, before they're 18, before making a senior appearance. Like the best players in the world cut their teeth in this league, and that's why they're the best. Katie McCabe said that going to Glasgow City is what kept her at Arsenal and what rejuvenated her career. Quickness of thinking, I think, is the, the main thing. I think you see in a lot of leagues, a lot of teams sit off and you see it here when, you know, if like a Rangers or a Celtic, or would say go to one of the smaller teams. But, you know, when the when the teams play each other, there's not much time to think. It's really, really quick all the time. And yeah, just, just the chaos element, I think is really the, the big thing.
0: For those who aren't familiar, Matt, the league, to kind of go back into the history of the league and, and how we arrived at this current season, 2002, 2003, I believe is when the league first sort of officially started although as we'll get to it there's probably been a lot of changes since then that is a lot longer than a lot of other leagues out there in terms of, of formation albeit I'd love to talk a little bit more about professionalism between 2007 to 2021 you've already mentioned them they're going to feature heavily Glasgow City won 14 consecutive titles which like you said would probably be the thing that many people would know about the Scottish Women's Premier League and maybe detract from what you were saying about the action and that people probably just assume it's Glasgow City, right? And they win everything and, and there isn't really much point in watching it. We get Glasgow Rangers winning in 2022, which is the first time they drop a title in, in a long time. So how did can you kind of fill us in the gaps between the formation, what kind of changed in the middle, Glasgow City domination, and then maybe how we get to these last couple of seasons. Um, if you can give us a quick history
1: lesson. So, I mean, going, going way back, obviously, we've lost quite a lot of teams, and unfortunately, for various reasons, and not necessarily all financial. So, two really, really influential teams in Scottish women's football terms. Uh, Hutchinson Vale, who uh, still exist. I, I can't remember what league they're in now. I think they're maybe in the fourth division. Um, but they, they were huge in, the, in development at, at the very start and for for Farmington, who also have been huge in developing women's football in Scotland. and Glasgow City formed uh, by Lauren Montgomery, and um, it was basically because she got injured. Um, it's the story she tells. She got injured and there was nowhere for her to go when she came back to football, so she started a club, which I always find to be that's just a really funny story. Their domination, I think, is a little overstated just because Sometimes we forget how close some of those seasons were just because they did end up winning them. So um, when Jamie Lee Napier and Abby Harrison were both at Hibs um, and Lucy Graham, now Lucy Hope, um, there was a season where Hibs only lost one game all season, the third last game. And it was, again, like, I City that was it. That was just the only reason they lost the title. I think it was by four points in the end because there was a draw. When they've won 14 in a row, you're kind of like... Yeah, they only won this one by four points, but they won the last one by twelve. Where, but um, I think that there's just such a like perfect set of circumstances there because it's a club run by women for women. The uh, when in things weren't professional, it obviously appeals to so many players because you know, if you're a WSL club looking to send a player like Katie McCabe on loan, if you're Denise O'Sullivan trying to make your first sort of jump in from Irish football. You know Jess Fishlock, etc. Like, you're going to go to Glasgow City because they're the club that are going to treat you well, they've got the best facilities, they've got the most ambition, and because of the Champions League, they also had the most money. And then in 2000, and I believe 2019 was when Celtic and Rangers both within a week of each other announced they were going to go full time, um, which obviously changed things quite a lot. And around that time, there was a restructure. Um, partly because of the teams that dropped out, and then after they went full time, Hibs, Hearts, Aberdeen all followed Spartans off part time contracts. Um, and you know the league as a whole is in a much more professional state than it is than it was five years ago when I started covering it. Um, both the top two divisions are classified by UEFA as professional leagues, which is like I don't even think that was something that. I'd even considered would be the case when I started covering the leagues. Like it's that's such a badge of honor. I think when you think about you know how many leagues don't get professional status given to them.
0: Just to sort of jump in there while we're talking about it, it is a badge of honor. But what does you know we've talked, not we have talked, but people talk a little bit about maybe the the lower teams in the in the WSL or definitely the WSL Championship, which is now officially classified as professional, has to be full-time, maybe similar to Scotland, but questions remain about investment, questions remain about player support, um, housing, stuff like that. Can you give us an idea of what, you know, it doesn't have to be too specific, but what maybe salaries look like, what care looks like, what professionalism looks like in Scotland since 20- since 2019 or, or today?
1: So, I mean, I don't, I can speak on salaries. I'm not... um I don't usually I don't, no, I've never asked the players I know that um Celtic offered Natasha Flint um the opportunity to be the highest paid player in the league's history when before she went to local um so I, I can only assume that it's comparable with a sort of bottom half WSL side's sort of basic you know maybe a little bit higher than what they would offer a, like a, a average score player. Um, professionalism-wise, so Hibs train at the same training grounds as the men's team. They have all the access to the to the facilities they have. Hearts train at Orium, which is at Harriet Watt, the uni I went to. Um, it's a high performance centre the SFA and Scottish Rugby and Hearts paid for, so it's also where Hearts men train. Rangers play uh, train at Okinawa, which is their brand new state of the art training facility. Um. Glasgow City's training facilities maybe now lack behind a little bit, but they are still pretty decent. And they've obviously got—I'm not sure of coaching numbers, but from going to their training facilities before and like seeing them train and stuff, i have obviously know that they've got dedicated goalkeeper coaches full time, and coaching requirements are fairly high. I can't remember if it's a A license or a Pro license, but it's you know a pretty high standard for. Um, when you compare it to maybe some other some other leagues who don't have that uh, same mentality of asking for a high high standard there, um, and then obviously the clubs provide housing a lot of it around me, um, and uh, and yeah it's just sort of I, I would say that it's probably as professional as definitely the top teams in the Championship in England and probably I'd probably say you know, you'd have to go up to maybe one of the bigger clubs in the bottom half of the WSL honestly I I genuinely don't think I thought we would be here like not not within five years I I would have said maybe 10 15 20 years when we started covering the game is when we get to this point like you know full-time squads and things
0: welcome welcome news good to hear I do want to uh kind of stay on this thread of investment and professionalism because you you gave us a very nice mini summary there of glasgow city's domination 2019 you get celtic and, and rangers which i'm sure every listener will know as clubs how and obviously glasgow win win the t- the title their first in 2022 how is investment changing or let's say you know the bigger clubs maybe putting in more money hibs hearts as well more recently how is that changing the face of what the, w, the swpl looks like you know are, 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 are we in danger of a club like glasgow city in, in, in an independent club maybe who have been historically so important to scottish football are we in danger of them maybe being wiped away or are we reaching a point where it's sort of peak competition and we've got so many great teams and it's all going to be really fun and exciting and everyone can kind of keep up
1: it's, it's tough i think we're past the point of Glasgow City need to be need to be worried about like a sort of um situation where they don't exist because of the investment. I think that because of how strong they've been historically, how well known they are, you know, you get players joining them from all over and they speak about how they knew that Glasgow City were like the top, top team. So I think just because of the fact that they are already so embedded in women's football history, I think they've got a solid platform to say no matter what's you know Celtic can offer you a contract I and mean, Priscilla since she is a really good example she was going to go she's to come Celtic. up she's come <laughs> up I didn't even have to bring her up
0: she no. was on my list of things to talk about all right tell
1: me about she, she was going to Celtic according to Costa Rican newspapers uh, and Glasgow City apparently hijacked it a little bit but from what I know contract-wise, it wasn't exactly like they went in with a you know a bag of cash and went, here you go. It's because of the fact that they're glad to say, you know, you're going to go there, you're going to get treated well. You're going to have support from their media team. You're going to be able to raise your profile. You're going to be supported in doing your coaching badges or doing outside education. You're going to like have an environment where you are given the platform to perform to the best of your ability. At Celtic or Rangers, you know... You can't guarantee that. Like, you can't guarantee it going to any club that has a men's side because, you know, what's to say that one of them doesn't go to nine in a row again in the men's game, and then the other one just abandons the women's team, and because they need to put the investment into the men's team, what happens if? What happens? Um, obviously a while ago now, but what happens if Rangers or Celtic go bankrupt? You know, it's happened before. It's not like it's an unheard of thing. It's happened in the last, I think, in the last decade. I think it was. Nine years well,
0: ago. well, and you can look at what's happening at Reading Football Club mm-hmm. is kind of the English example going on right now. All sorts of nonsense going on right there. And that club once you know, a really important part of the WSL is, is you know, definitely heading in the wrong direction and, and a lot of confusion.
1: Yeah. And Liverpool in, in the past and Man United
0: and so on. Oh, yeah. Liverpool, another great example.
1: Yeah. I don't think that that could happen in the modern women's footballing landscape and I'm saying that obviously knowing what's just happened to Turbina Potsdam, but there's obviously other circumstances at Turbina. Um but it's I think we're probably as long as Glasgow City don't go, you know, mental and throw money at something they can't afford or um you know some other bizarre circumstance happens. I think the SWPL now has enough money flowing through it, and the Champions League money obviously helps the clubs like Glasgow City and specifically will won't disappear. you know you look at last season they were written off. you know they had a manager who left halfway through the season that maybe wasn't super highly rated. Um, she was she was good, she was lovely. Um, every, all the players spoke highly of her. She's obviously now the Ireland manager um but you know they weren't doing great they had the, a really, really difficult game against some some teams they shouldn't have difficult games against, lost their manager half of the season, appointed a rookie, Someone's never managed before, won the league. You know, like, and at times it looked like it was going to be easy for them. And they slipped up and they came back. And no matter how much money, Celtic specifically, because they've not won the league yet, no matter how much money they've thrown at it, they've not won the league. No matter how much money Rangers have thrown at it, they're still losing in cups, they're still not winning the league at counter every season. It's, you know, and both of them have higher budgets than the other city. So I think that just their status in the game is something that is priceless and it's going to keep them up there for a long time.
0: Very cool. Very, very cool. Let's focus in on this season then. In your season preview, you did predict Glasgow City to win the league. I will reveal live on it. There were some cool other predictions though. I think you had Celtic two and hearts three hearts are a team i i follow quite closely big fan of eva and their latest signing sade adam adam Alakum, who is a fantastic player um who a lot of americans and people that follow the Jamaican national team will know matt what should people be watching for this season that has already kicked off in scotland it seems very exciting what should be the kind of narratives players to watch teams to watch and if you can tell us how do you watch the games
1: um, well, they should ignore my predictions because they're total nonsense. Um, hearts have not had the start I was maybe expecting. Um, it's a long, it's a, long no, season, it a long season. It is a long season. It's a long season. So obviously, read the, read our season preview because it's fantastic. And uh, I think I'll I,
0: link it in the show notes. I'll link it in the show I, notes.
1: I think Peter actually wrote the SOFL one one um, from memory. It was a while ago now, but yeah, I mean, so. In terms of where you can watch it, that's probably the best thing that's happened in the last five years, in my opinion, because I can't go to every game. There is a highlight show on the BBC, on the Sports Scene. Um, don't expect Match of the Day vibes, but it's, you know, you can least really see them. Uh, the highlights of every game are uploaded to the official SWPL YouTube channel, after every fixture. Um, games are regularly broadcast on BBC Alba. For any of you that speak Gaelic, uh, I am learning um it is going moderate um mm-hmm. <laughs> and some of them are on bbc scotland as well which you can get if you're in england it's not impossible it's you know just a case of clicking on a few extra buttons i think um they're obviously on bbc iplayer on the bbc website um a couple of clubs have started broadcasting their games themselves through um recast which is a company set up to you might have seen it for a couple teams use it mostly as sort of like a YouTube alternative. Um, if you follow the SOPL on Twitter or Instagram, they post the fixtures before the weekend and they'll have, like, a, it has a little note of whether it's been shown live and where it's been shown live, which is really good. Um In terms of who to watch, I think before the season started, I would have said Hearts, for sure. I think their signings have been... Not just Shaday, but they've obviously got um, Kathleen McGovern, who's come back to the league from a stint in the Zwei Bundesliga, who is, she had a tough time over there. It's sort of difficult to really use her performances there to talk about how good she is, but when she was fit, she was doing really well. Um, and just unfortunately, she had a lot of injury issues while she was at uh, SC Sand. Um, she's come back to the league really imposing physical striker. You know, someone that is obviously going to cause a lot of problems for a lot of defences. So obviously, hearts are exciting. I think Spartans are really exciting, but they've not had a great start to the season. In fact, they've had a pretty terrible start to the season. Um, Debbie McCulloch is one of the... I think she might be the longest serving coach in the SAPL now, but um, she's fantastic because a manager, she brings through young players that have fallen out from other teams essentially every season and Spartans have reinvented themselves so many times now it's like how can they keep going basically rejuvenating their team by signing 18 to 21 year olds that haven't made it elsewhere obviously you've got the top three they're, they're the other ones that you know part of this all are good to watch there uh, Brian Graham is the men's striker is their manager which I was there's a fun story um and he isn't doing it like he's only he's not only half in he is 100 percent in to be in the spot the part the women's manager um and they play a really good style of football sort of Hibs. but obviously you've got the big three guys the celtic Rangers, and um i've sort of i've made a note to compare them to um like you know things that may be relevant to other people so nwsl and wsl side so like glasgow city are the sort of ol reign there you know or the seattle storm of the swpl they're all dominant they just are always at the top um i know that might be a bit controversial with portland thorns but you know i mean
0: considering the ol reign have technically never won a championship it's kind of spicy but yes they're always up there that's definitely true
1: they're the ones that you i always think of when i think of like NWSR I think they're the they're the team. They're like you know the big ones. Um yeah, I think they're, they're kind the of. I feel like they're
0: a little, they're a little bit known as like the bottlers mm. because they're always up there, but they never actually win it. So they're kind yeah, well, of Glasgow like you
1: can be the Portland thorns. Then that's fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, Glasgow might be more Portland. I guess maybe Celtic is maybe more like L- LRA, and they're kind of not really getting over the line. But I don't. Yeah. I, I don't want to ruin your comparison. Please continue. No, yeah,
1: and you know they, as they, they they're just sort of like an all star team. Of the league. I, I don't know. I don't think they've got the best player in every single position if you went through the league and made a like a league-wide 11 but you know they're always in the conversation and when you've got players like Linda Mahalo and uh cory sullivan brenda uh lauren davidson like it's just crazy how good they are um they used to obviously take a lot of talent internally uh from the league and they did have obviously players come from outside but obviously one of the things they did was, you know, Hibs had a new year because they took her, you know, Sam Kerr came through Glasgow City and so on. And now Rangers especially have really focused on those players. So Glasgow City had to pivot and start looking a bit more worldwide, which they've done, i say, really easily. I, don't, I can't think of many players that flopped at Glasgow City. Um, I, well, I can think of a couple, but I won't name them. <laughs> uh, and then Celtic are like they're your Fran Alonso is the league's Pep Guardiola he is just a bizarre tactical mind and they play the most you know as a style of play it's very fun to watch and then Rangers who it's hard to judge because Joe Potter is what eight games in Um, they've conceded in six of those eight games which is maybe a sign for what she is doing defensively maybe not working because they've got two players who have played as attacking fullbacks for their entire careers playing as centre-backs. Rangers at the moment, I don't even know who you would compare them to, but they're this powerhouse of academy production. It's, I don't know what happened um, in their academy. I know that they've had some really, really good people working in their academy, including the now part of this assistant manager. But they have had an explosion of 16 to 18 year olds, and Emma Watson is just the start of it. You know, she, her going to Man United, some people didn't even think she was the best of the three that signed the, con- the pro contract when she signed it. Like, there's Kirsty McLean, who is now in the Scotland squad, exceptional player, Georgie McCleary, another brilliant player, uh, Mia McCauley, who's broken through this season. Who's 16 playing out of position? And it's not like you wouldn't know that she wasn't a fullback. You would think watching her, you're like, she's a win back, that's fine. And she's fantastic. And you wouldn't think she was 16. If you're interested in picking a team to watch a bunch of players develop and watch their careers as they move on, Rangers is definitely the one to pick. I think everyone's got a lot of young talent, as is in any league that's not full-time the whole way through but Rangers have got a lot of young talent that could
0: go to the very top. You've answered some of my questions there about youth development. Samantha Kerr, obviously kind of cutting her teeth. Emma Watson, I think a lot of English people will know because of the Man United signing. Samantha Kerr, obviously going on to Bayern Munich. These are massive, massive moves for the league for the Scottish national team. But I want to, if you can, answer the question about the international scouting uh, aspect. You talked a little bit about about Glasgow City seem to have really good scouts. Linda Motalo, um, maybe being the player that people might know the best. But going back to Priscilla, you know, a Costa Rican comes in, blows up the league, goes back to Mexico or goes back to Central America, now playing in Mexico with Pachuca, just into just really well, Celtic moves to, to sport in Lisbon, maybe sideways moves, Mexico, Portugal, leagues, maybe more similar to, to Scotland. But why do you think the Scottish League is attracting players like this? And and, and to maybe expand it as well, Jory and Bochum. Um, coming in, scoring a hat-trick, playing really well for Hibbs, revitalising her career after a kind of stop-start time in the NWSL. Kayla McCoy's found success to some extent over there as well, another player didn't really make it in the NWSL. There's also a lot of young Americans and, and Brits and Europeans who've gone to the NCAA and, and come, kind of, they come back to Scotland or come to Scotland as their gateway into European football. Why do you think the league is positioning itself as maybe one of the most exciting, developmental leagues.
1: It, it's different, I think, when you look at someone like Jordan Bochum and someone like Brazilian G. I gia I think for players like Bochum, um, I mean, one, she's now my favourite player, on the, well, like, genuinely. No one is a striker coming in wearing number five. For her first two games, I was a little bit like, oh, this isn't going great. But after that, wow, what a player. Um, but I think it's a chance for them. She obviously came from Portugal, where she did really well and it's a chance now for her to play in a team maybe that have a bit more of the ball, a bit, maybe a bit more dominant but also she is the star, she's the focal point of that team and obviously English-speaking country also helps I think for someone like Priscilla and Chia and those coming from teams that haven't necessarily had that success in the WSL and the WSL and such, I think part of it when you go to one of the top three is you're in an environment, it's like being at Chelsea but you obviously you're not as talented as Sam Kerr at Chelsea or Aaron Cuthbert or Guru You're sort of on, on the level where, you know, Caitlin Hayes is a good example. Could she play in a WSL? Absolutely. Can she play in a WSL side that can have 20% possession and she's going to be under the cost the entire night minutes? Probably not because that's not her skill set. Her skill set is a lot on the ball. So I think it's an opportunity for players like that to play in a, league in a style where they're really going to get a chance to shine it feels like there's a freedom when like specifically watching her play and i'm just going to go on a tangent with jordan because as a she's my favorite player on the planet now um i need to bribe the hips guy to get me a shirt with her name on the back in the sop print. um but she was playing with a freedom where she was dropping in she was going long she was taking the ball and she was just taking players on. Whether that meant she was drifting wide or whether it meant she was coming into midfield it didn't matter, because she has the faith in her teammates to, you know, push on or whatever. Where if you're playing a user time at Louisville for example, in a Louisville team that are really struggling, that are having off-field issues and um, just on the pitch generally weren't really connecting tactically it's so hard to then pick yourself up week on week and have that pressure and you're going to go into a game and you're thinking, we're going to get dominated. Every time I get the ball, I need to do something special. I think that's where players come into the SOPL and I think that's where they sort of thrive a little bit, is that they get that chance. They can come in and they can show what they can do because they will have games where they are on the dominant side. I think that's where the league has been through its whole history. You look at all the players that have come through a lot of them spend two two seasons here and then they go away and then they're exceptional elsewhere it's why i like to say that whenever anyone does anything good that they learned it in the sw bill because like katie McCabe, literally is on record as saying that she did <laughs> you know fishlock i spent a couple seasons here before then she was playing for Bristol, and then she leaves and she's off to you know, all these amazing teams and having this amazing career. Did he so solve them the same? And I think that, obviously, they were so young when it happened, but um, I think that's something that's really important just for the league in general.
0: Before I let you go, I could listen to you all day, Matt. It's really, really good to get this deep dive. I've been really trying to seep my teeth more into the league. I want to talk about the national team. Big game coming up. Scotland-England, the old rivalry. And... Latest 23-person squad has, by my count, seven players currently playing in the SWPL. And 19 of the 23 cut their teeth in the league or have played in the league at some point. The four that didn't, uh, for those that want to know, Sophie Howard, Martha Thomas, Amy Rogers and Kirsty Hansen, by my count. Matt, please correct me if I'm wrong on any of those.
1: No, they're they're all fine.
0: How important is the league to the national team right now and what direction is the Scottish national team going in?
1: I think it's hard because I think Pedro Martinez-Losa is a fantastic coach, I think. I, you, know, you look at what he did with Bordeaux and it's hard not to say he's a good manager. He has said some questionable things about the SOPL and he is not a regular at games. Um, for example, um, one of the recent spat that How How's Your Touch, uh, me and them had, He went to the World Cup final, which is fine. Spanish, go to the World Cup final. He hadn't tweeted the SWPL had even kicked off yet. And he, before then, wasn't really regularly seen at SWPL games, ever. He'd previously said that he won't call players up in the SWPL unless they're training at a national team standard, which is, I think, a bit of a stupid thing to say because there are players in the SPL at teams like Hearts and Hibs and Project Thistle who are more than good enough to contribute on a national level but obviously won't be training at that level because they're not at Celtic Rangers. Have and it felt like a bit of a kick in the teeth for those players. There is now an under-23 squad, which I know he has been a big part in sort of pushing for as well as the squad themselves. Um, and that is obviously nearly entirely SFL based, and it's a lot of SFL players that have. They're now going to get a chance to show that they can do it on the 23 level. It's another step between the under 19s and the senior national team. So it's probably a point where we'll see you know more and more come through. And he he has never been shy in calling up players because they're in the SFL. I just think that sometimes he's maybe missed players and called up others in their place and again recently said something something about it being exciting how many players they're convincing to play for Scotland um, that previously were English so you know, your Amy Rogers uh, was the recent, recent one from London City Lionesses now Bristol City again fantastic player really happy she's playing for Scotland same with Martha Thomas and so on but it's sort of that disconnect with, with where he maybe sees yes the SAPL and where Maybe it's because me and Peter, as I say, we think it's the best thing in the world. So maybe we're just overrating it massively. But I just think that there's maybe just a little bit of a disconnect there. But in terms of where the national team is going, I mean, you just have to look at the averages of the squad. Like, by the next Euros, Caroline Weir will be, what, 28, 29, Aaron Cuthbert will be 26. Like Aaron Cuthbert's not even twenty-five yet. That's mental when you think about it.
0: Yes, man. She's played so much football at such a young age. Yeah.
1: Sam Kerr will be the same. She'll be 25, twenty-five, twenty-six. Uh, Emma Watson won't even be a you know she'll still be a teenager. That's crazy to think about. I mean, it was obvious that she would burst onto the national scene when she got her chance, and she really did. Like, I I didn't think she would go maybe as far as she has. He has tried to implement a much more Technical style of play than what we were doing under Shelley Care. Um, there were obviously off-field issues under Shelley, Shelley Care as well, which have kind of, kind of disappointingly continued. Um, she herself there were issues with her, uh, especially after the World Cup um, when she was fired. The job didn't go to somebody that was in the women's game. the youth set up in the women's game in scotland it's given to someone in the men's youth at the sfa they didn't appoint a manager for 18 months carolina marachi who's now the london city lionesses manager publicly was begging for their chance to interview for the job and wasn't given it like there was it's been a bit of a mess off the pitch and that obviously culminated in the squad announcing that they would take the fa to the to an employment tribunal which hasn't been maybe covered as much as it probably should have been, especially when you compare it to the likes of Canada and so on. But it's such a shame that there's so many national teams that can't play without that over their head, where they can't like have the chance to go and perform without thinking, oh, I'm fighting for equal pay or I'm fighting for equal conditions. And I think that because we are entering that sort of period, we will have a bit of an advantage from that. And also just in general, just the fact that um, the more we work together and the more that the building blocks are put in place the better we're going to be the SNPL is obviously at the core, you know it's a league where the average age is probably about 21 if you actually go through the league I've never done it myself but the Scottish players that play in the league tend to be either children or like veterans you don't get many Scottish players in the league between the ages of about 22 and 27. Sam Kerr was a bit of an outlier in that when he was at Rangers, but obviously no longer. Um, And I think that's testament to how good the league is. You know, Bayern Munich are watching the SOPL and they're going, I mean, they might have watched her at the national team, but they're watching someone that plays in the SOPL and go, we should sign her. Man United, the same, Liverpool with Jenna Clark. And that's really important. So I think that going forward, it's going to be something that we're really going to see again like you said, obviously there's only those those handful of players that haven't played in the league. And even someone like Jen Beattie, who is obviously no longer in the squad, but a lot of people would assume, you know, she had a long career in France. She was playing at Queen's Park not that long ago. She got into a cup final. Like it's something that has always been a something that's really important. And I think that unless WSL sides start to raid our academies like they have in the men's game which might, might be something that happens later down the line. It, I, in men's football, it kind of tends to happen more because you don't get the chance in the first team. But as they've got the chances in the first team, it's one of those things where you... I don't think there's ever going to be a time where the SOL isn't the production line. How talented the players are technically when they do leave Scotland, and everyone's always saying how surprised they are. And it's not a surprise to me, because I've been watching them, but, like... It's something that I think is developed in a league that is almost akin to like playing in the cages in terms of like a lot of small pitches a lot of high high intensity games where you know you've got to be quick you've got to have that sense of thought it's probably why Jacinta did so well because you know, that was her big skill set was taking the ball in tight situations.
0: So. Well, and you look at, you know, West Ham or lower WSL teams, you might spend 75, 80 minutes of a game dropping off, you know, a bigger club in the in the WSL and you only get four or five teams that you can really go at and, and play that way. So it is interesting, I think, a lot about the, the, the style of different leagues. And like you said, if you're used to taking on that pressure or playing in the cages, it's a great example of people who, who do have quick minds or quick feet.
1: Yeah, and I think that, obviously, I'm not going to jinx things. I mean, if you if anyone wants to go and read our uh, uh, Nations League preview, uh, we were maybe a little more anti-English than we probably should be based on the fact that it might get screenshotted. It's welcome. It's welcome. We love it. A <laughs> um, lot of references to that World Cup final. Um, but like it is something that I think genuinely is the reason that if if we go for it, and we did go for it against Spain, um, at home and we only lost because the referee in that game was I hate to about referees but they were honestly like I remember being in the stand with my partner who never gets angry about referees and she was like about to storm the pitch it was um, quite entertaining for me to be <laughs> sat next to um, but you know when we sat off Spain they beat us 7-0 when we went toe-to-toe with them we should have beat them realistically like it was a game that we should have won um, and I think if we take the game to England, I think that a lot of people will be surprised by how good we actually are, especially players that play in the SOPL. Um, And I mean, this is kind of a bit of a challenge to people that cover women's football. But like, you know, you shouldn't be surprised. Pay attention to what's going on in Scotland. Come, you know, chat to me. I'll I'll tell you all about it. Because really, really, I honestly believe that sopl sides if you if you made a uk wide league i don't think sopl sides would be you know getting relegated in a you know in a league if you been put the 24 together um you'd be having a sort of case where i think yeah celtic and rangers and glasgow City wouldn't win the wsl but i don't think i think they'd be comfortable i you know I, I think genuinely think that if you if they did have to play as Spurs or a Liverpool, I think they would be shocked by how good they actually are as teams. And Glasgow City maybe didn't show it so much in the Champions League, but Celtic definitely did. A lot of Norwegian people were saying that it was going to be easy uh, when Vularanga got Celtic. You know, like we might not beat England. Use might pump us. You know, we might be coming away on, on Friday night. I might be sat on Twitter being all sad because we've just lost 5-0. But it wouldn't shock me if the reaction on Twitter was about how good Scotland are. Just like it was in 2019 at the World Cup, where, again, we probably deserved more at that game. Um, different time, obviously. Both of us had a manager that maybe wasn't the most popular. Um, but re- I really do believe that a lot of people will be surprised by how good Emma Watson is at magnate this season. You know, Because they'll be seeing her as a 17-year-old coming out of the SWPL. I know I've seen a lot of it already. From people sort of being like, why did we sign her instead of signing a superstar from France or someone that performed at the World Cup? And they signed her because she is the real deal, you know, just like why Chelsea signed Aaron Cuthbert when she was 18. Like they signed them because they are fantastic footballers by Munich with Lisa Evans. It's something that we've got a track record of, but seems to still get overlooked by, you know. The media that tend to obviously you focus on the wsl that's where the fans are that's where all of the money goes that's where the interest is i guess but you know i i think that something that i would really like to see in five years time if you were to come speak to me again i would really like to see a lot more engagement from everyone else um because i do think that scotland is a place where we we don't get the love, we don't give ourselves the love we deserve, but also we don't get the love that we maybe deserve from people that, like, you know, tactical writers and such, because it is often just written off as a as a kick-and-run physical league. Um, and I think that the national team has shown, under Pedro specifically, it's not that, because he's come in to try and play tiki-taka, to try and play this super technical style of football. And the technical side of things isn't what the players have struggled with. It's mostly been um, sometimes our tactical setup has put more pressure on our defence than it should, is how I'll put it. <laughs> and that's,
0: that's what you know. That's what makes separates the good teams from the bad teams. And you definitely expose yourself when you try and play on the ball. But I think as a fan, as an analyst, as someone who enjoys a Scottish game, I, I bet it's a lot of fun to watch a team go out there and try and win a game with the ball. Um, That's sometimes all you can ask for. Matt, you've spent an absolute age going very, very deep on Scottish football with us. So I want to say thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for How's Your Touch. Go subscribe, listener, and get on it. And more than anything, enjoy the football on Friday. Hopefully it's going to be a fantastic match.
1: Thank you for having me, obviously, as I have. I've uh, i've been waiting i think in the newsletter that we do i think i put in when you did your first squad depth podcast i think i i put in like we're free if you ever want like, the, the meme like we're free on saturday meme
0: fantastic well enjoy friday night and thank you so much keep up the great work it's always a pleasure speaking to you cheers. see you later matt cheers cheers, cheers.